This is a Soulfire production. Hey everybody, welcome back. What's up? It's Memorial Day weekend in real time. Maybe you're listening to this, to this sometime down in the future, but I respect that. Getting that outdated news. I love it. <laughs> We're in a weird place right now. We're in a weird place. We're going to cover it on today's episode. But before we get into it, if you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, please do so. And if you dig it, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review with some kind words, and share it with some friends, especially if they'll disagree with me and it will anger them because that brings a sick joy to my, to my heart. Oh, man, we are in a weird state of things. And on the state of things, we're going to rip on Joe Biden for a lot of the time, actually most of it. And then we're going to talk about churches. Oh, God. I want to let y'all know that the shadow ban on TikTok continues, and I'm still very, very sad about it. Um, I think it's actually gotten worse. And I was I was looking at this, and I was like, maybe I just shouldn't talk about churches. Maybe I should just leave it alone. I don't know. Christians get really, their feelings hurt real easily, but fuck it. I can't. I can't not. And I feel like that's what the world is right now. The world is in a state of fuck it. Let's see what happens. And I, I can't say I'm not on board. It, it just, it, people are fed up with this thing, man. They are fed up with it. And I understand. I empathize with it. I'm tired of it. And more and more places are opening and things seem to be fine. And, you know, maybe, I mean, people are going to die. Yes. And it's, it's weird. It's weird. We don't like being told what to do. In ex- as explicit of ways. We prefer to get told what to do subliminally, subliminally via mainstream media and whatever else we get indoctrinated by. But it's it's interesting to see this explicit like rule situation. Is um it's really got people fed up. So we're at this state of fuck it. That's that's I think I feel like that's the plan. I wish somebody would come out. I wish some governor of some state would come out and say, fuck it. <laughs> we'll just see what happens. We'll roll the dice. I wish Las Vegas would say that's it. Las Vegas is this the place to do that. Nevada. Nevada says, fuck it. Whatever. Collateral damage be damned. And it's funny how we count collateral damage as well. I mean still from the from the information I've seen the 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 average age of coronavirus uh deaths is is higher than the than the life expectancy, the average life expectancy in the United States. Now, I got that as a kind of a Republican talking point, so who knows how they're padding those stats and what they're you know considering in that whole scenario. But something to be considered for sure. It's weird. It's a weird time. It's a weird time, but I'm excited for it. Oh, and in something to think about, I might trigger some people as well, but I'm okay with that. As we've established, we're going to talk about race and culture and being uh, hypersensitive. So 
with all that being said, let's get into the, the state of things. All right, state of things. Joe Biden is making headlines as per usual. And I love it. <laughs> this fucking guy. There was about a week there where they had him well hidden and he just wasn't delivering what um, what we needed. What we needed from Joe Biden. And this is exactly, exactly what we need from Joe Biden. He's talking to Charlemagne from the Breakfast Club and we're going to get into this. Let's uh, do it. I want to ask you about your, your, your running mate. Um, I don't know if you saw, well, I saw the day that a news report broke that uh, Amy Klobuchar was being vetted, and a lot of people on Please, social no. media, they're no, not Klobuchar. too happy about that. And um, it's because they want your running mate to be a black woman. I don't know if you saw the op-ed in the Washington Post by some of the leading black women voices in this country. And they feel since black women are such a loyal voting block and black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They did. They They did. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. Well, you know, Thanks so the, much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at six o'clock. <laughs> okay. White media and black media. There's a distinction there. You can't do that to black media. <laughs> I did it to white media too, motherfucker. That's so funny. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble. Yes, you Listen, are. You got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. <laughs> it don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact <laughs> I want something for my community. I would love to see Take you. Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP's endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. All right, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anyway, thanks. I will come back. All right. Oh, man. I want to get back to that. Let's do it one more time. Let's do it one more time. At 6 o'clock. Okay. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP One Biden. more time. Let's I go. Will. Here it comes. Here it comes. You got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell oh. you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. You ain't black. I want something for my community. I would love to see Take you. Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP's endorsed me every time I oh run. Oh, my the world, God. I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anyway, thanks. I will come back. That's so, so good. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. That is classic Biden. Here's the thing. That wasn't that wasn't a misspeaking. That wasn't a gaffe. That wasn't a stutter. And I don't think Joe Biden is is inherently racist or or anything like that. It's just he's just disconnected. Because <laughs> what about black Republicans? Like <laughs> there are members of Congress that are black Republicans. I don't understand. And it's one of the things that the sad thing is, and this is this is one of the major criticisms of the Democratic Party, is they just take the black vote for granted. They just take the black vote for granted and um 
And that's a problem. So if you don't know whether to vote for me or Trump, then you're not black. What the fuck, dude? What are you doing? What are you talking about? It's, 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 it's a funny, it's a really, really funny way of him expressing exactly what everybody thinks and believes, but doesn't really dare to say. And the thing is what Charlemagne was asking there for is, is something that he can bring back, something tangible, something that's uh, some policy that's really going to impact his community. That's what he wants. He doesn't want, yeah, well you're black. So you primarily vote democratic. And then, and that's, you know, that's, that's kind of been assumed and the black vote really did put Biden in the position that he's in, in South Carolina in the primaries. I was very in tune with what was going on there and the endorsements from the black community in South Carolina really changed the primary for him. I mean, he, Biden was getting hammered before South Carolina. It was embarrassing. Yeah, that was the, the primary headline is, is what the fuck is Biden doing? This is just, this is comical. Um, and then South Carolina just really shifted everything for him. And that was from the black vote. So I feel like, you know, in having a black running mate, he kind of owes him one in a way. And that's, that's an interesting thing. And I think it would be really nice to see, although he's going to get just pummeled probably in the debates and in the election, I would assume as well. But you know, it, it's, it's an interesting thing, but to hear him say, if you don't know whether to vote for me or Trump, then you're not black. It's, it's extremely transparent. It's extremely transparent of identity politics. It's identity politics. That's what it is. And we've played this game um, for a long time, and it's gotten more and more transparent as time's gone on. And it's it's funny, like it's the writing's on the wall. You know, the, the the curtain's been pulled back, and now we sit here and say, okay, well, here's a guy who whose filter has been um, degraded over time, and we're going to get into more of his record uh, in the past and things that he's said and his contradictions later on in the episode. Um, but I want to play this next clip because I think this is this this is such a nice little piggyback onto what what we just what we just heard. So check this shit out. It's it's, uh, it's Joe Kernan. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it this morning. Hey Joe, how are you? I'm great. You know, some Dem pundits, Democratic pundits, sir, say that Sanders and Warren voters are essential for you to win. I know you've probably seen that, but some aren't quite there yet. Others point out, though, that your candidacy surged when it became apparent to mainstream Democrats that Sanders might be the nominee, and, and then they flocked to you, a more moderate, perhaps, candidate. Are you prepared now to say you're going to govern as a progressive and enact programs in the mold of Sanders and Warren? And if so, what does that say to, to either moderate Democrats or independents or even some Republicans dissatisfied with President Trump? So this is interesting, and I want to jump in here, is he's talking about how the progressive vote, and I wouldn't really throw Warren supporters in there as much. Um, Elizabeth Warren has really shown herself to be more of a centrist than a progressive, uh, and has moved that way um, kind of little by little, incrementally over the last handful of years. Uh, and I think she's really playing playing hard for that VP spot. So she's actually backed off of Medicare for All, um, and she has taken a, a more centrist stance uh, as as time has gone on um but the bernie supporters are excited and essential for trump or for excuse me for biden to be able to to get into the white house if that's what he wants and he so what's different about this this race than um previous democratic uh, primaries and, and and 
these these elections, presidential elections, is a lot of times the candidates will run on further left policies in the primary in order to gain the candidacy, and then they'll move more centrist um, in the general election in order to get swing voters and moderates, independents, things like that. So what you normally see is running on progressive policy in the beginning, right, in the primary, and then moving to the center um, in the general. What you're seeing now, because there is more and more of a progressive push in, in the population of the country, is that everybody flocked to the center in the primary, but in order to get the young vote, in order to get the progressive vote, you've got to move to the left in the primary, which is really interesting. And what I think is likely to happen is that Trump is going to swerve left on Biden going forward. So I think, and Trump is really good about doing this, is one of his, his many skills when it comes to debate and uh, media manipulation, is that he'll move left of centrist Democrats in a second. And because he, he doesn't need to follow, he doesn't need to really back up what he has to say, right? He doesn't have a voting record, really. He has a, a presidential record now um, that we could, like, kind of the scorecard that we can look at, but he doesn't really have the same, he doesn't have a 40-year voter re- voting record like like Joe Biden that we can then scrutinize and 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 bring into current times and kind of see what his, his way of thinking was um, over the last few decades. So it's really interesting. It's, it's this inverse, this kind of flip that he needs to move left um, and he's been doing it a little bit incrementally, been moving left um, as we've gotten closer to the general election. So let's hear what he has to say to, the, to that question. And this is on CNBC, by the way, just so they get the, the proper credit. I'm prepared to say that I have a record of over 40 years and that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. Look at my record. <laughs> the fact is that, and that I'm going to Play beat Joe Biden. Look at my record. One more time. And that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. (laughs) Look at my record. The fact is that some areas that I think, for example, I think health care is a right, not a privilege. I do not support. What? uh, Hang on, hang on. Motherfucking Joe Biden right now thinks that health care is a right, not a privilege. Where did that line come from? Huh? Where did that line come from, Joe Biden? Where, whose playbook are you pulling from now? Bernie fucking Sanders. Of course, you're going to take his fucking talking points and, and make them your own. You cuck bastard. Let's move on. Medicare for all. I will not support Medicare for all, but I do support making sure that Obamacare is around with a public option for those who can't afford. Say Obama as many Medicaid times as you can in the next in state. They would be able to buy. They would be able to be automatically be enrolled in the public option of Medicare. That would. But I do not support a you know forgiving debt loan for every single solitary person, no matter where you went to school. But I do support the idea. If in fact you have a student debt as a consequence of going to a public university and your income is under 125. $5,000, it should be forgiven. I do believe that anyone going to school that, in fact, goes to a public university and or community college, they should be able to go for free if income is under $125,000. My wife... All right, there's that. So, he bring in the thing he did there, and to, to his credit, he brought up some policy points that actually sound pretty good, and he put them together in, in a 20-second clip there, in a way that that's actually, it's like he's almost like someone's giving him some Adderall and he's kind of got it together a little bit. Um, but the fact that he, and it's so funny, he had, a, he had a glimmer of hope there of like, okay, here's a few things. You know, I, got, I start off, 
I'm going to beat Joe Biden. Kicks himself right in the dick. And then second, it's like, okay, and then I'm going to use Bernie's talking point. I believe that healthcare is a, is a right, not a privilege. And then I'm going to go into how my policies stack up um, and how I do align in the ways of thinking of the progressives as far as student debt for people under, you know, that are have an income of under, under $125,000, um, free tuition for if you make under $125,000 as a family, things like that, which I think those were all pragmatic uh, incremental changes in the right direction. I can, I can get on board with that. Um, but he starts it off just by kicking himself right in the dick. It's like, and I'm going to beat Joe Biden. You are Joe Biden, bro. What are you doing? Like it's over and over again. I've literally created a podcast where I get a chance to talk about Biden gaffes multiple times a week. I literally put a sheet, a run sheet together with an empty spot, right, of what I'm going to talk about on this show, with an empty spot in the top of the state of things, waiting for Biden to put his foot in his mouth. I love it. It's fantastic. I would prefer Bernie Sanders to be the candidate, and I mean I have to have that option, but still. I mean, Trump does it enough for me to have plenty of content as well. But looking at this, it's like I have, I have a reliable stream of, of content because the – the Democratic nominee for president can't make sentences right. It's incredible. And so it was like just he almost had it. He was almost there. So close. But he starts off his statement by saying, I'm going to defeat Joe Biden. Wow. This is funny stuff. This is funny stuff. This is the world we live in. This is this is this is this is incredible. This is incredible. Now this is a video from the intercept that we're about to play right now and this is this really this really stuck me and the intercept is is a in a media outlet and a news outlet that I've I've over the course of the last few months um dove into you get uh Glenn Greenwald is is somebody who contributes a lot to the intercept um and I've learned more and more about them and have gained more and more respect for their for their view on politics, global politics, and American politics in particular. So it's super interesting to see. Um, if you look back at Biden's record, he's he has this history of just fucking lying. I mean, the, the, between him and Trump, we're sitting on a mound of lies. You know, it, it's insane. Like, consistent lying. So I want to play this here. This is something that really opened my eyes because you know I wasn't I was around 40 years ago I don't know what Biden was doing in the 80s I wasn't keen to what was going on I wasn't watching C-SPAN when I was eight years old like that's not what I was doing but the intercepts Madi Hassan is going through this and it is really interesting so let's jump into it it's about five almost six minutes long and really packed full of juicy juicy goodness let's go why does Joe Biden make Make so much stuff up, and will it hurt him against Trump in the general election? There's much talk online, especially among Bernie Sanders supporters, about whether Joe Biden is in cognitive decline, whether he has dementia, why he's so incoherent. Now, I'm no doctor. I'm not going to make a medical diagnosis. Apart from to say that in terms of his speech and his memory, there's clearly undeniably been a lot of decline in recent years. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. But today, forget the weird stuff that Biden says that doesn't make any sense. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
All men and women created by gold. You know the you know the thing. Forget all of that though, and focus on his falsehoods. The fact that he just makes stuff up. That he does seem to be a fabulist. Here are just five examples. Number one, his arrest in apartheid South Africa. The former vice president said three times during the month of February alone that he got arrested trying to see Nelson Mandela in prison. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our UN ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. Except it's a lie. Biden himself was forced to fess up on CNN. When I said okay. arrested, I meant I was not able to. I was not able to move. Cops, upper counters would not let me go with them. Made me stay where I was. I guess I, I wasn't arrested. I was stopped. To be clear, he didn't misspeak. He didn't misremember. It wasn't a gaffe. It was a lie and a really bad one. Because he even claimed at one point last month that Mandela later thanked him for getting arrested. Number two, there's the silver star that never was. Over the years, Biden has told a moving but false war story in speeches and at rallies. He did it in New Hampshire last August. This guy climbed down a ravine, carried this guy up on his back under fire, and the general wanted me to pin the silver star on him. I got up there and stand. This is God's truth. My word is a Biden. He stood his attention. I went to pin him. I said, sir, I don't want the damn thing. Do not pin it on me, sir. Please, sir. Do not do that. He died. He died. He didn't pin the medal on the guy who wasn't a Navy captain. He just made it up. And Biden has told this story time. And I want to jump in. That he's, and that's the thing. He's, one thing that people that do when they're lying is they'll reinforce the lie before they tell it. So if you notice there, he says, on my word as a Biden. Right. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not a liar on my family name. Super common, really, really common. Let's go. Time and again over the years, changing the details in it ever so slightly on each occasion. So sorry, it's not a gaffe. It's pure misrepresentation. Lying. Then there's Iraq, where the former vice president says he only voted for the war because the Bush administration tricked. Oh, this is good. I made a mistake. I said it 14 this is so years good. ago. I trusted George Bush to keep his word. He said he was not going to go into Iraq. Except Biden was calling for war with Saddam Hussein in 1998. The only way we're going to get rid of Saddam Hussein, and it's going to require guys like you in uniform to be back on foot in the desert taking the son of a, the uh, taking Saddam down. He also says now that he opposed the Iraq war as soon as it started. From the moment shock and awe started, from that moment, I was opposed to the effort and I was outspoken. A complete fabrication. Here he is several months after the invasion began, praising both the war and George Bush. Some of my own party have said that it was a mistake to go to Iraq in the first place. But the cost of not acting against Saddam, I think, would have been much greater. Wow. The president of the United States is a bold leader and he is popular. Again, he is just a George W. Bush dick rider over here. That is exactly who Biden was during that administration. Holy shit. Biden just makes stuff up. Yep. He makes demonstrably false claims without an iota of shame. Number four, there's Biden's role in the civil rights movement, which is pretty easy to summarize. <laughs> he didn't have one. When I marched in the civil rights movement, I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. And we changed attitudes. When I was about the age of the guy standing over there, I got involved in the civil rights movement. He knows it's untrue. Don't take my word for it. Take his. 
I was not an activist. I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. I was not anywhere else. Imagine as a white Whoa. guy lying about your role in the civil rights struggle. Finally, you all know that Biden had to quit his 1988 campaign after he was caught plagiarizing parts of his stump speech. But Biden also lied about his grades. I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. The first wow. year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. In fact, he Who in the fuck says that? I'm pretty sure I have a higher IQ than you. That's some shit from Goodwill Hunting. What the fuck, man? Who says that? And do you want him to be our president? Continue. Graduated 76th in a law school class of 85 students. Wow. Oh dear. Pretending that you're smarter than you are and inflating your academic success. Who does that remind you of? I've also heard I was first in my class at the Wharton School of Finance. <laughs> And sometimes when you hear it, you don't say anything. You just let it go. Trump didn't come top of his class either. Obviously, though, Biden is no Trump. No one can compare to a serial fabricator like the president, who's told more than 16,000 lies since coming to office. But look, saying the former vice president is not as dishonest or as deluded as the current president is just not good enough. It yeah. isn't. It's lowering the bar beyond belief. And the evidence is in. Joe Biden has a habit of making things up. And it's not just wrong, it'll hurt him. Because if you think the guy who made up getting arrested in South Africa, who falsely claimed to have marched in the civil rights movement, if you think he's the safe candidate against Trump, then I'm sorry, but you're lying to yourself. Oh, that last line. Damn. If you think he is the safe candidate against Trump, then you are lying to yourself because Joe Biden is not only in cognitive decline. He is not only one of the few, <laughs> one of the Democrats that voted for the war in Iraq. Oh my God, he's a fucking liar. And I believe that he's lying about Tara Reid. I believe that he lies consistently. Consistently. I don't even think he knows. He, he's lost so much of his mental capacity. I don't even think he knows what the fucking truth is anymore because he's only said what he's needed to say to get him elected. He has been an elected official for the majority of his adult life. No one tells him no. And I've been doing some more research. People were, women were scared of this dude. Staffers were scared of this dude and instructed not to be in a room with him by themselves. This is the kind of guy. This is the kind of guy that we needed. We need we need Joe Biden. Vote blue no matter who. What if he's a lying fucking scumbag? What if that's the deal? What if he can't keep his thoughts straight, thoughts straight, make a sentence and has the most one of the most atrocious lying streaks in American politics today? This is not secret. This is who this man is. And the fact that the Democratic Party has the balls to say this is your safe option. No, it's not. It's not. Just like we talked about on the last episode, to call Trump some authoritarian mastermind, master manipulator, you know, equivalent to Stalin or Hitler is 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 naive and and pandering. It's pandering. 
And so much, so much of political rhetoric and political media is just straight pandering. It's, it's sad to see adults eat this shit up. I mean, I get it. I, you know, if you're a college student and you're an activist and you just hate Trump's sexism and you despise the human being and you think that he's the worst thing that's ever happened, I, I get it. I can understand that. And I understand where those people are coming from and I, I respect where they're coming from and I think their intentions are good. And I think that their views will change over time a little bit and, and that's okay. Because I don't think Trump's a good person either. I'm by no means a Trump apologist. But to, to succumb to this fucking pandering because it's what you want to hear and it makes you feel more justified. It makes you feel like you're on a moral high ground. It makes you feel like, oh, I'm better than. I'm better than these racists that vote for Trump. It's like, well, maybe they're not all racist. Maybe they just think Joe Biden's a scumbag and they hated Hillary too. And that's the, neither one of those things are a stretch of the imagination. To think Hillary Clinton is a fucking twat is not an easy, a hard thing to, co- to comprehend. She's dirty as fuck, and so is Joe Biden. They're the same type of person. So wh- wh- why is that a problem? Why is that a problem? It, it, if you have a, 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 any kind of judge of character, it's like, they all suck. I mean, you can look up at, at the stage early on in the, in the Democratic primary and say, okay, we got, you know, Klobuchar seems like a decent human being. Um, you know, her policy is very citrus, whatever. She's kind of... Yeah, whatever. You know, Bernie is 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 the guy who really exhibits the most integrity of this whole crew. You know, you can like Cory Booker. Um, you know, Pete Buttigieg was kind of this like I'm just gonna rep- I'm just parroting whatever you know tropes I need to say to make people feel good. Yada yada yada. And and he was gay or is gay, so that's like that made people feel like they were being you know diverse and inclusive, which, which, which was a feel good thing for everybody, I think. And, you know, I succumb to that in some ways too. And I I would love to see a gay man, gay woman in, in the white house. I think that's fantastic. Um, and I think Pete Buttigieg with all his political ambitions are definitely, is going to be there in some form or fashion at some point. Um, especially with the DNC behind him. And it seems like they're really investing heavily in him. Um, you have Elizabeth Warren who just was throwing haymakers that were not landing. Like trying to trying to swing for a home run and just missing the ball completely, and that was really sad to watch. And then if I look at the rest of the, of the crew, you know, Kamala Harris, she got out pretty early. Beto O'Rourke got out pretty early. Beto O'Rourke has lost a lot of his progressive base um, and is kind of bought into the bullshit. Um, so it's 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 interesting to really look back at it now and and be curious on that list of people. Those are the people that are off the top of my head that I think about and remember, and Joe Biden's not on that list. Joe Biden's not on that list at all. I mean, it's just not, it's just, it's not there. It doesn't do it for me. Um, it was more like it was just entertaining to watch him stick his foot in his mouth. So it's, it's to, to have the scrutiny now of all of the, of the media forces, um, especially independent media, looking at this guy and saying, okay, well, he's a, fu- he's a fucking liar. He's he's changing his story. He's trying to rewrite his own history um, to make it fit in 2020 when it just doesn't. Like Joe Biden does not fit in 2020. He just he just doesn't. It's like wearing a shoe that's too small. Trying to watch this guy do his thing. So it's it's something it's something to to consider to look back at this guy's leadership and how it's been mostly predicated on bullshit. 
and say, okay, well, well, do you want four years of that guy? Because you're not going to get eight. You're not going to get eight years of Joe Biden, even if he does win, if he finds a way. The dude's not there. So his vice president's going to have a big role, and, and, and Dick Cheney kind of paved the way for that with Bush and having a bigger role. So you're probably going to have a relationship, if he gets into the White House, that's more similar to that than what you're going to see with an Obama-Biden type of administration. So I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird deal, man. I, I, it's it's, I like seeing this stuff. I like, I like being in the know and that's why I like the intercept. So if you, this, that video really resonated, definitely go check out the intercept on YouTube, go to their website, sign up for the newsletter. They, they put out some good stuff and it's not just spam. It's everything. Every time they send an email, it's, it's worth checking out. So shouts to the intercept. And I hope that that video, uh, did something for you. Cause it's pretty, pretty interesting to me now. Let's do something that'll get me in trouble on the internet. Um, and then we'll do something else that'll get me in trouble on the internet. And I really want to hear what y'all have to say about this. I'm not joking around. Go find me on Instagram, at Connor Wanders, and let me know what you think about this. We're going to get into churches reopening, and um, we're going to talk about what Trump had to say. We're going to play Trump here. He's going to make an appearance. Friend of the show, Donald Trump, is going to be on. Uh, so I want to, I really, really, I'm not joking around message me. Let me know what's up. Let me know what you think. I'm, I'm incredibly curious because these are only my views, right? This is, this is highly opinionated and somewhat biased. I feel like I'm relatively objective, but let's see what Trump has to say about churches reopening. Uh, let's go. Thank you very much. At my direction, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is issuing guidance for communities of faith I want to thank Dr. Redfield and the CDC for their work on this matter and all the other work they've been doing over the past, what now seems like a long period of time. Today, I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue, and mosques as essential places that provide essential service. I feel like he kind of forgot how to say the word mosque or, or he just didn't know what it meant for a second. It, it, it clearly took him a second, clearly took him a second. Let's listen to that real quick. Identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue and mosques and mosques <laughs> as essential places that provide essential services. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If there's any question, they're going to have to call me, but they're not going to be successful in that call. Ouch. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue, go to their mosque. Many millions of Americans embrace worship as an essential part of life. The ministers, pastors, rabbis, imams, and other faith leaders will make sure that their congregations are safe as they gather and pray. I know them well. They love their congregations. They love their people. They don't want anything bad to happen to them or to anybody else. 
The governors need to do the right thing and allow these very important essential places of faith to open right now for this weekend. If they don't do it, I will override the governors. What? In America, we need more prayer, not less. We do. We need more prayer. Oh, my God. We need more prayer. He's going to override the governors, which is actually something he's not supposed to be able to do. But like I said, he doesn't really have to substantiate his claims. He just has to do what Trump does. Now, let's get into this a little bit. This is very interesting. I'm very curious about this. I've been thinking about it quite a bit over the last day or so. Opening up the churches for this weekend. So that means that this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, get your ass in church and pray, motherfucker. Here's the deal. Here's what I think. Because I was listening to Charlie Kirk talk about the, the same thing. Talking about how churches are essential. And one thing he brought up had my ears perk up just a little bit. My ears were like, uh-huh, uh, what? Uh, uh, uh. He was talking about how some churches and religious organizations, and he was speaking mostly about Catholic churches who also got bailout money, by the way. Don't forget that 9,000 Catholic churches got uh, PPP money. They got that government stimulus money that they didn't pay into because they don't pay taxes. Yeah, that's real nice, isn't it? That's really, that's good. That's good. That's separation of church and state right there. But a lot of these houses of worship are going bankrupt because their tithes are down. Now, if you're not religious, and I grew up in the church, so I know this, you're supposed to give 10% of your income, even as a teenager, to the church. That's called tithing. 10% of your income. The same people that bitch about taxes all the time. Maybe if you didn't give 10% of your money to the church, you wouldn't complain about taxes so much. I don't know. Just, just my initial thought. But they need to pass those offering plates around, don't they? So maybe the reason they need to reopen isn't so you can bow your head in prayer and ask for forgiveness of your sins, but maybe it's because they need that money, baby. They need to get paid. They don't want to go bankrupt. Everybody else can go bankrupt. The restaurants, servers can be broke as fuck. But churches, God forbid, sweet baby Jesus forbid that churches struggle economically. So let's open them back up. Let's put a bunch of fucking old people in a room together and have them sing. Let's have them touch hymnals that the people that were there just before them touched. Maybe share. Maybe split pages together. I don't know. Maybe they'll shake hands. Who knows? Maybe we'll all walk up. We'll all walk up in a fucking single file line. Six feet apart, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody will will, will handle that well. And we'll take the, the body and the blood. The bread and the wine. We'll take that. We'll just all touch it. Get in there. And here's the thing. I really don't give a fuck. Like, open them up. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm, I'm, give me the news stories of a thousand people that got infected at a mega church because Joel Osteen was, you know, thought he had it under control. Him and Jesus were teaming up to fucking beat coronavirus. I don't give a shit, to be honest with you. I don't care. But it is funny to look at it. Now, he brought up liquor stores and abortion clinics being open. I want to make one thing absolutely fucking clear right now. One thing absolutely clear. You cannot postpone abortions, motherfucker. 
It's not a thing you can just put off and kick the can down the road. Okay? Now, I want people to be able to go to church. I don't, like I said, don't give a shit, but don't try and compare it. That's apples and oranges, my man. Abortions and church, not the same thing. And it's like, well, you can, you, you can, then, then you villainize and shame anybody who is in a situation where they need to get an abortion and, and, and say that, well, those are more important than churches. I mean, I don't know if I would even go that far. That's not even, that's not, that's not even comparable. You cannot put off an abortion. The longer you put it off, the more painful, emotionally stressful, traumatic it is for that woman. So yes, those are essential services. You cannot put pause on abortion clinics. It just isn't a thing. Now I know Republicans will say, well, life starts at conception and blah, 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 blah. How about this? It's not your fucking place to say. It's not your fucking place to say what somebody can do with their body. It's not fun. No one likes it. It's not a thing that we're marching down the streets and having fucking abortion parades. No one likes this shit. And the last thing that those people need is more shame from people on the right for protesters of abortion. The last thing people that have to go through something like that need is more shame. So shame on you, you fucking stingy bastards. First of all, let's be fucking clear about that. You cannot postpone abortions. Don't, don't, don't paint that. That's pandering. And if you buy that bullshit, if you, if you drink that shit up, you're being pandered to, you're naive. And you're fucking insensitive. Jesus Christ. You're going to fucking compare abortion clinics to churches. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. And also, people aren't hanging out in abortion clinics for an hour and singing Jeremy Camp songs. Okay? No one's in there. We're not having fucking raves in abortion clinics. It's not a fucking party. All right? We're not lifting our arms up and pretending we feel the Holy Spirit in the fucking abortion clinic. People get in there and are only there as long as they need to be. Same as a liquor store. And the only reason liquor stores are still open is because we have a fucking mental health crisis in this country that people can't really get help for, and they're alcoholics. And you have a fucking shit ton of alcoholics in withdrawal. What do you think that's going to do? Kill more people. Get more people in the hospital. It's not so people can have fucking parties. Think about this shit. And the next thing we're going to have is, well, if people can go to church, then I can go do this. If people can go to church, and blah, 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 blah. You just set a precedent. A dangerous one in this time, but again, as I've said, I don't really fucking care. No one really fucking cares anymore. Everyone I talk to is like, I just don't fucking care anymore. I've been fed lies. This is what happens. We've been fed lies. We've been fed bullshit. We have manipulation exhaustion right now. And this is about to put the nail in the fucking coffin for a lot of things. Now, we have Republicans rejoicing because they can go to church and do whatever the fuck they need to do. And they're going to have, you know, half full services or you know, 25% capacity. I don't know. I don't know, but are they going to have like an old people service where just old people come? Is that going to be a thing? I, I don't, I, I mean, shit, man. Most we're just over this shit. Let's just call it what it is. Why can't somebody just speak up and say we're over it? That's, that's, that's where we're at. Just open this shit back up. Oh, if we want to act like children, we can be pandered to by some orange fucking douchebag. Come on, man. 
if this is how we're going to act, then old Grandma Sally can go to the you know Church of Christ and get the Rona. And no one's going to feel sorry for her or the Christians or whatever. And they, you know, you know what? Just pray about it. Praise be. Pray about it. The Lord's will be done. Oh, man. Fucking insane. But if you want to go to church on Sunday, be my guest. Now, let's give you something to think about. Bringing it in with that funky beat, yeah. Yo. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. I say all right a lot on this podcast. I wonder if I do that on my other shows. Who knows? Something to think about, y'all. Something to think about. I think that there's been this interesting, and this is, you know, I have struggles with my progressiveness because I don't really buy into all the bullshit, but... There's been this kind of narrative for a while, and I don't know if it's as extreme as it was, but it's still it's still around. It's still doing its thing, and this is this idea that there's no difference between races, that we should be colorblind, that we shouldn't distinguish. It's all the same, baby. And in some ways it is. Equal, yes. And I will fight to the death on that. But the same? No. And this is where it gets interesting. Because I think if you want a colorblind, if you want a neutral view of humanity... It comes at a cost. Everything comes at a cost, right? But if you want a neutral view of humanity, then you sacrifice culture. And I think it's really easy for white people to say shit like that because white people don't really have culture. Okay? And I'm, I'm lumping myself in there. I'm white, so I can, t- I can criticize white people. I can do it. I'm going to right now. We don't have white. White culture isn't really a thing. It's like uh, we just kind of like take people's stuff and kind of make it our own and make it not as good. And then it's like, oh, this is ours now, like spaghetti. And it's like, no, bro. And I mean white people. I'm I'm saying white Americans. Italians have culture, (laughs) right? Like the French people have culture. I'm talking about just like white Americans, like standard, you know, through and through Americans. Um it's also the superiority thing that we think like white culture. And we talk about this is like, it's like as if it's the whole world. It's like, no, that's exclusively us. <laughs> We're the, Amer- white Americans are the cultureless whites. <laughs> oh shit. This is ridiculous, man. But anyways, I think that, that this is this, I want to say whitewashing, but that doesn't really make any sense here. This like this, this neutrality that is, that is strived for, it comes at such a big cost, and you got to think, is it worth it? That's the thing to think about. Is it worth it? Right? Think about black culture in music. Right? Think about Kendrick Lamar, Biggie, Tupac. Like, that was, those are and were expressions 
of the black community of what the what's going on in the cultural zeitgeist of that community and it's fucking astounding it regardless of your race you resonate with that even if you don't really understand it i mean shit if you really go back and listen to tupac's lyrics like i don't get what that's like and that was his real fucking life and there was a culture piece there that i think is incredible and i think that's one of the greatest things we it's like we want to we want to neutralize america but damn dude like there's so much amazing information in different cultures and that doesn't mean you have to like all of them either like it just to think that you're going to like all cultures equally is just not the thing it's not it's not a thing it's okay and you can dislike someone's culture without being racist like that's a possibility too there's so much more nuance to this than we like to believe but do we really want to neutralize culture and just blend it all together and make it all the same. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like that really does it. And at the same time, there are cultural stereotypes and cultural stereotypes are funny because they're kind of true, right? Like if I say white people don't have culture and like the pinnacle of white culture, right? The pinnacle of white American culture is like friends. What else do we have? Volleyball. I don't know. Like, what do we have? It's just, it's like we have sports that like black people just never got into, so they didn't beat us at them. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're, they're, we like what, it's weird. So it's really easy for us to say like, oh yeah, we're all the same. It's like, but we're not the same. There's distinct differences, and that's awesome. It should be that way. It's fun. And then comedians and comedy get attacked for pointing out said stereotypes and said cultural cultural norms. It's like, oh my God, you can't say that. You can't say that. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. But when we look at this and we we look at race and culture, I think it's something to be respected, appreciated, even if you don't like it. Maybe you don't like Indian culture. Maybe it annoys you. It doesn't annoy me. I think it's kind of cool. But maybe it does. Okay. Cool. You think Shiva and Buddha are, are silly. Like, all right, well, that's fine. But at least have some respect for the people that also have their belief systems. You know? It's weird. It's weird that we want, that, that it's ex- exclusively white American thing to want to neutralize. I've seen more and more of that, especially in progressives. Like, it, they, and most progressives are like young white girls in, in, in nice universities. <laughs> Just getting angry about shit. So let's let's think about that. Take your time. Just walk around, you know, just be a be a be a fly on the wall of your own life. Then observe your thought processes about race, culture, equality. I don't know. It's a fun thing to think about. I love thinking about it. That's just me. And that is something to think about, guys. This is the episode. We are done. We are finished. Make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and share this show with a friend. You guys, keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time.